Good morning. Hello. Uh, I, I've been going here for um, seven or eight years or something like that, I think. Right, babe? Yep. So if I haven't met you, it's nice to meet you. I've been here for a while. And uh, so I got assigned chapter eight of this book. It's, so ironically, chapter eight is about where the author is saying, hey, you as a church, you should get out of these buildings and actually meet outside of here. Like he's literally urging people to meet in public spaces, to meet in open spaces, to get out and do ministry where people are. And I thought, wow, how am I supposed to talk about that? How am I supposed to come tell? I don't speak for the church. I'm not on staff. I lead a city group. Um, but I will say that that sort of stuff really kind of stirs me up. I love this idea of kind of getting out in the open market and just talking about Jesus and worshiping him and loving people and showing the world that God is good. And so I figured, well, maybe we should try to figure this out together because I'm no master of this. But you should know that there's many people in this body, in this church family, that are very good at this. They're brilliant at it. And frankly, they probably should be the one talking right now, not me. They are masters at doing this. I am not a master at doing this. And so what I want us to do together this morning is just trying to figure it out together. It's kind of what we do as a city group, and it's what I just want to do with you right now as a church family. Let's look at a question, and let's wrestle with it, and let's see kind of where it takes us, okay? So the question I would like to look at this morning. Hey, brother, can you put up the first slide, man? And I just want to leave it up here all the whole talk, Okay. The question is, and the author kind of presents this as well, and I like this, and we've been, we've been wrestling with this sort of thing all seven weeks in our group. I don't know if you've been doing that in your groups, but this would be the question for the city group as well, okay, when you leave here. But what would you do if you believed that God is already at work out there in the world? And what I, I thought maybe the Holy Spirit's doing today is I think that he wants us to explore Um, who we are as a church, like what's in our DNA, and maybe like release a rush and a wave of creativity and of ideas. And so the entire talk, I I mean, if you don't listen to me, that's totally fine. But if God starts speaking to you about ideas to that question, I want you to write them down. Put them in your phone. If they're crazy, if they're wild, just go with it. Because I think it's time. We've been going through this for seven weeks. I can tell you, I can sense an antley. Like he's antsy. He's ready to kind of get out there and explode the city with the love of Jesus as like a love bomb. And so we're at that moment now. Like the tension is there. They've all done a great job of building tension. And so I don't have to teach you today. I just have to say, what are you doing, Holy Spirit? Give us ideas. Give us creativity. Talk to us. Who are we as a church? What are we going to do? Because we all can do this. And so now we have to figure out. How do we do this in our lives? Okay, so I am, for just so you know, I'm just a mortgage guy. I get up and go to work every day, and then I come home, and we have five children, and then my wife passes out when I get home because she's completely worn out. (laughs) And then we figure that piece out. And so, frankly, um, it feels like we're just surviving. I'm kind of, my life has evolved in that that area. But I thought the way we'd wrestle with this question is I'd give you three pictures. Um, One picture is a story in Acts. We might as well stick with Acts. There's two guys named Peter and Cornelius. I thought we'd look at them briefly. A picture of actually RCC and what we've done for the last several years and how this has looked like and transpired in the life of our church. And then I thought maybe I'd give you just a quick vignette of how I've stumbled and tried to do this and failed along the way. And so this could be a very profound moment of humiliation for me. So you may enjoy that, okay? But this question, though, it haunts me. It literally haunts me, especially now. What would you do if you believe that God is already at work out there in the world? So let's unpack the question briefly. What would you do if you believe that God is already at work 
How would you respond to what he's doing? Do you believe that he's already active on the planet and outside of your space? That he's active in your neighbor's heart? That he's active in the place that you work? That he's active in your home? He's active on your street? What would you do? How would you respond to that? I have this brilliant friend. His name's Nathan Elliott. And a few years ago, and we always get into these deep, weird conversations and to rabbit holes and stuff, and we started talking about Bible studies. And I love Bible studies. Um, there's nothing wrong with them. But Nathan brought up this point, you know, and he, he's, he's a very profound guy, but he said, you know, Bible studies are fine, but I want to go to a Bible Dewey. And, and I said, what, huh? A Bible Dewey, where you actually go and you do what's in the Bible. I said, that's a good word, man. Thanks. When I meet with him, I bring a notepad to write down some of those nuggets. So how would you respond, basically? How would you respond if that's what you believe, that God's actually active on the planet? And then if he's out there, is he good? And would you respond to show the world that God is completely good in Jesus? And so these last seven weeks have been about evangelism and talking about Jesus and the gospel. And gospel simply means news. Okay, And not everybody believes it's good news, but we believe it's good news because we're just simply telling the world that something happened a few thousand years ago. Something cosmic, something weird and crazy where God came to the planet as a man and he came there and he gave us all this grace and he righted all our wrongs and then he gave us this new identity. That's what we're saying. Something happened. We believe that you can meet God in this guy named Jesus. You can know God through Jesus. That's why we say Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. Because if you want to know God, you can meet him in Jesus. Like if you wanted to meet the owner of Vagabond Coffee Company, you have to meet him in Will Morgan. Not me. Not Andrew. you got to meet the owner, the guy. And we're saying, if you want to know God, know him in Jesus. And so that's what we're doing as we respond to what he's doing in the world. We want the world to know this and understand that and have a chance to encounter him in Jesus. And that part is fun. It is exciting. And I will confess that I've been kind of turned off to this the last year of my life. This has been dormant in me for a little while on purpose. Had some loss last year. Had things not quite work out in terms of like what I thought maybe God was doing in my life. And so I've seeked to turn this off. But I'm a little stirred. When I read the chapter, I was like, man, I shouldn't have read that chapter. It's stirring me up a little bit. I like this idea of getting out in the world and showing people that God is absolutely good. I've decided that he's good. My wife and I, our family, we've made the choice that God is good, holy, and completely. And you can find and meet that goodness in Jesus Christ. So... Some, one thing that's interesting about our church is we have people that get visions and prophetic words and dreams and things like that. And so I thought, well, in Acts, there's this story about Peter and Cornelius. Um, and the thing about dreams and visions and prophetic words and stuff like that is that is kind of the evidence that God's doing something, right? Like he's ahead of us. He's moving. The kingdom's already out there working. Again, that whole idea that what would you do if God was already out there outside of this place working in the world? And so there's this story of Cornelius and Peter. And in Acts, which is what we've been going through, um, there's this moment where, you know, it's, it's early in the church history. And did you know that Peter wasn't completely convinced in the beginning that Jesus was for everybody? Do you know that? He wasn't sure. That's kind of a big deal. Peter's, you know, he's the rock. He's the dude. So he kind of needs to be completely convinced that Jesus is for everybody. And so there's this tale of two men. There's Cornelius and Peter. And Cornelius, he, he's a leader. He's basically a military leader of, Roman, of the Roman military, okay, of like a, a, a division. Or, um, he, he leads soldiers. And he's an affluent guy. Um, but it's interesting about Cornelius. He's a, he's a fantastic character because he worships the Hebrew God. 
every day. He's devoted. The author in Acts describes him like this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the poor, and prayed continually to God. Alms are gifts to the poor. So this guy, he doesn't even know about Jesus yet. But he's already, he sees what the Hebrews are doing, the Jews are doing, and he starts worshiping their God. And he's devout too. And then he starts trying to make his space a better space of the planet. He tries to help the poor. He's given to the poor. So one day in the afternoon, um, he gets a visitation. He has this vision, okay, where an angel of the Lord comes in and, and meets him and kind of thanks him for how he's been loving God and loving others. And then gives him this instruction to go find this guy named Peter. Which is, if you can imagine, you know, sometimes you can read these stories and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about it. This, he doesn't have any concept of this kind of spiritual visitation. All of a sudden, this is happening. He gets this visitation, this vision, and this instruction to go find this guy named Peter. He doesn't know who Peter is. He has no idea. Okay? But he gets it. He's a little terrified by the... The encounter with the angel of the Lord, which is pretty standard procedure in the New Testament. But he responds. He, he sends some guys to go find him. Well, meanwhile, Peter, he gets a vision too. Now, Peter's a supernatural all-star, superstar, supernatural superstar, right? <laughs> there you go. Say that ten times. He's a supernatural superstar. I mean, Peter's, Peter, Peter knows Jesus, walked with Jesus. He's doing the work of the ministry. Peter gets this strange vision as well. Where he sees this giant, he goes into this trance, okay, he's been doing some ministry, he, he goes to do a little bit of praying, he's hungry, and then he falls into a trance, and he sees like this gigantic sheet fall over the earth, and covers all the corners of the planet, uh, and then he hears the Lord tell him, rise Peter, kill and eat what God has made clean, do not call common. And God re- reminds him that a couple times, and, and Peter's unsure about that because he knows he's not supposed to eat certain things religiously. And so it's a strange vision, and actually... Peter, he's perplexed by it. The author in Acts says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So even though he's unsure what's going on, he doesn't understand the vision. He knows God's at work. And then at the other side, Cornelius, he's not sure why he had this strange encounter and vision with an angel of the Lord. But he goes ahead and he reacts and he responds to it because it, se- it sounds like he believes that God must be at work outside in the world and that he's doing something that requires his response. And so he moves. He moves towards it. So both men are moving towards God. Both are not quite sure what's going on. I love it. It's a tell of two men. And where are they heading? And this is a big deal, too, at this time in Acts. And so they're both kind of responding, and Cornelius' men... Also, side note, he's using government funds to go find Peter, who has nothing to do with the Roman government, okay, to go find him and bring him to him. So this is happening. He finds Peter, brings him, and Cornelius says to Peter, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And so then Peter, it all kind of starts to make sense to him why he's here. And he tells him about Jesus. The the title of the next passage in that is called Gentiles Hear the Good News. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 10 in Acts. 
So all that, two visions, two men, not sure what God's doing, but they're confident that he's doing something in the world. They both respond to what's happening. And then all of a sudden, the trajectories start to cross and intersect. And then Peter tells them about Jesus, and then he tells the Gentiles about Jesus, which is basically everybody else on the planet other than the Jews. <laughs> you know, big deal, right? Very brave, very courageous, and they move. Now, how many of us today, right now in our lives, we feel something. We want to move. We know God's doing something, but we're not sure. Like for me, I'm, I'm afraid to, to move, and I'll tell you about my story a little bit because I don't want to fail again. I don't want to fail. I don't want it, nothing to happen. I don't, I don't want it to just be fruitless, right? But how many of us feel like we know, we feel it. God is in the air. The Spirit is moving. He's doing something. He's wanting to make the planet a better place. He's moving everybody towards Him. But we're just, we're kind of like, ah, I'm not sure. Well, the church that we go to, River City Church, we have a lot of lunatics in here. <laughs> we do. We're crazy. We love Jesus. Yeah, I'm, there's people in this, this church that will... They get visions, they get beautiful prophetic words, and then they take chances and they risk. So I need your help right now as we walk down memory lane. What are some of the craziest things we've done in this church? I mean, rethreaded's popped out of this. We adopted an entire housing complex in Hollybrook. Um, we would have birthday parties there and do stuff like that. I remember Craig Carell busing in kids every Sunday here. I remember uh, there was a time when the church met in the city rescue mission. Where, how many people have been here for seven or eight years? There we go. I mean, that, they would meet in the city. I just started coming. I thought, wow, this place is crazy because the balcony was about to fall down in that building. <laughs> I was like, this place is different. Me and Holly were just like, yeah, we're going to keep going here. <clears throat> we did crazy things. Come on, tell me. Just throw them out. If you've been here that long, what, what, what are some other things that we've done that have been kind of wild? I mean, Street Corner, obviously. Meadow Clay. What's that? Casino, yeah. I thought about that, and people were like, ah, I'm not sure. But, I mean, when we, told, when we told the world we were having Casino Royale at the church, I mean, it's, they, they were like, wow, really? You guys do that? Yeah, we're coming to raise money to tell our kids about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> fuel. fuel, fuel, that's right. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for the segue. Uh, fuel, do you know what fuel is? This is when I first met Anley. Do you know what fuel is? Okay, Fuel was called a coffee shop in Riverside, but it wasn't really a coffee shop. It was like a really dirty bar and that called themselves a coffee shop. Could never figure out that why. It smelled like beer and urine. And no joke. And that's what they were going for, okay? <laughs> so this church was having a worship service in Fuel. They would do it every Tuesday night or something like that. I can't remember. And I remember um, I was handing out. So basically... Me and my wife had left our church in this weird story, and we were meeting in a house church, and then we decided to try. We really loved Riverside, and we wanted to try to start something in Riverside. And we were really involved with the City Rescue Mission, and we were trying to uh, do a benefit concert at Five Points Theater. Five Points Theater wasn't always a movie theater. It used to be called Club Five. Does anybody remember that? Very nasty, dirty club. <laughs> I went there scouting, doing a little recon. There was people in cages and... Drunken drug stuff and fight night and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, yes, this is the jam. You know, let's get Jesus in here. So that Club 5 ended, and so we were trying to meet in that theater to kind of like give, you know, repurpose it, so to speak. And we went across the street and saw that they were having a worship service over there, so just started handing out flyers. And that's how I met Antley. They were doing worship in there. I remember Kathy Vaughn was speaking. Antley was speaking there. They would do full-on prayer ministry in there. In this bar, oh, oh. 
Oh, also, the bar was still open, by the way. People would come in and they would drink beer and they'd watch what's going on. Why God's moving and the Holy Spirit's active because we're just doing church where people are. Because we love God and we believe He's good. That's it. I mean, it's in Jesus is real. We want you to encounter God in Jesus. And so that's what the church did. That's how I met Ainley. I walked across the street. I said, hey, you want to come to our concert? He's like, yeah, you should come to our church. Okay. And then eventually our paths crossed too, again. And we made it to RCC Church in this weird, crazy story. Because for me, so that segues into me and our stories. You know, I, I would call it my youth, maybe like early 30s or late 20s, or whatever. You know, I was really zealous for the Lord. So for me, it's a tale of two men as well. There was this time where there was this Josh that I remember, and he would, he would literally, him and his wife would do anything. My wife's still crazy zealous for the Lord, okay? So please don't assume anything on her. This is all me. Uh, we would just do anything. I mean, we, we took a bunch of college kids to Louisiana after Katrina, um, which was crazy. Um, and then we thought, well, we want to we just be at the city rescue mission and just love people that way because we knew that God wanted people on the planet to flourish and wanted us to love the poor. And so we said, all right, we're going to do that. And then, and then we thought, well, let's plant a church in Riverside because, I mean, that's like back in the early 2000s, everybody thought they were a church planner, you know, including me. So we tried to start up church, okay? And this was a very, you know, it's not a story I like to share a whole lot because, you know, it didn't work out, obviously. I'm here. And it's a, hard, it's a hard story, but it has a lot of fruit in my life because it brought me to this place, to this church, and, and then a new understanding of God and all that kind of weird stuff. But we just wanted to be in Riverside because we loved the place and we wanted people to know God and to experience His love in Jesus. And we were okay sitting with them and going through how they perceive spiritual matters. And we just wanted God to be there. Right? Not that God wasn't there, but we, we knew he was already there. We were just trying to kind of join in and agree with what he was doing. And we did that. And it didn't work out a whole lot, but there was a lot of things along the way that were beautiful and good in our lives and fruitful. But we tried. We tried. And that's the thing that I love about this church, too, is we try. We just try stuff. And, I, and we've done it to a fault, and sometimes we've been criticized over it or whatever. But it's fine. We're just trying. We're just moving. We sense God doing something. We get a dream, a vision, whatever, and we go with it. Even Peter was perplexed. For Pete's sake, man, he was perplexed. He didn't know what God was doing, but he moved. And then Cornelius, he moved. And then so many people in our church history here, like the River City Church history, they moved. People foster kids here. People start businesses and give people jobs. People do stuff out on the street every weekend, and they tell people about Jesus at Street Corner every weekend. People pray for people at their work. People in this place want the world to know that God's good. I don't understand what's wrong with that. He's good, and you can meet him and know him in Jesus. And so I think sometimes maybe, at least for me, you know, you forget, like, who you are. And so when I forget who I am, I go to like the great preachers of the past, Macklemore, if you would put him up on the screen, to look for wisdom and insight and inspiration. But he has, like this, he has this great song. It's called Glorious. I love when my wife sings it, too. I like when she says, Glorious, Glorious. It sounds like heaven coming out. <clears throat> but he has this, 
this kind of this lyric in it. And uh, the lyric goes like this. I feel glorious, glorious. Got a chance to start again. I was born for this, born for this. It's who I am. How could I forget? I made it through the darkest part of the night. And now I see the sunrise. Now I feel glorious, glorious. I feel glorious, glorious. And we don't always feel that. But then the next day is a new day. It's a new sunrise. And God's still active on the planet. And we're still his children. And we're still innovators and creators. And we're still starters. And we're still lovers of people. And we're still followers of Jesus. The next day and the next day and the next day. We're still glorious in his perspective. And therefore, he's always ready to use us on the planet. And if you've got ideas, write them down. It's time. It's time, church. I mean, it's, it's time. It's time. I'm speaking to myself, so you guys can take whatever you want from it. But, I mean, it's time. Let's just try stuff. Let's, whatever's on your heart, whatever's in your mind, let's go for it. In prayer ministry, the same thing's happening. God's already at work. We're just up here just trying to, like, tap into what he's already doing. It's kind of symbolic of what's happening on the planet outside the building. And that's what the author of the book, I think, is trying to compel us to go towards is, you know, he says, don't be afraid. And look, it's hard. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to try these things. I'm afraid God might not show up, just being honest with you. But he does. He's active on the planet. I see him do so many things through other people. He can do that through me too. So he's already at work and we're joining in and we're agreeing with that work. It's just about agreement. And then that brings courage and bravery and, and then the weird stuff happens. And so you might say, well, I don't get visions from God. You will. I don't get any dreams. You will. You can mark my words if you want. They're recording it. (laughs) You will. It's true. So, I want to hear about it too when you get them. But let the ideas come. So I'm just going to pray during this time that the ideas would come. And what this looks like is really easy. The way Peter kind of summed it up to the Gentiles... When he, when he summed up Jesus, he said, He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Oh, that's what we do. That's what we do. It just looks different in all of our lives, which is fine. Let the ideas flow. Let's see where they go. Let's try some things. So, try them in your groups. Try them in your own individual paths. Try them in your marriage. Try them on your street. Let's try them. Let's come up with the craziest stuff. Email it all to Antley. And we'll sort it all out. I'm just kidding. Halfway kidding. All right, let's stand and let's just pray for a rush of creativity and love and inspiration. Because we do believe God is out there at work in the world. He is. It's true. So let's respond to it. Let's find it. Let's, let's, let's give flesh to it. That's what he did in Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray you would come. I just pray you would, fr- you would, you would flood us with ideas, with creativity, with visions and dreams of what you want to have transpire on the planet, what you want to have transpire on our street and in our neighborhood. I pray you'd give us ideas on how we can show people that you're simply good. I pray you'd give us courage to show the world that they can know God in Jesus. They can know you through Jesus. 
So give us ideas. Give us love for people. Give us love for your ways. Right now, Holy Spirit, please bring things to mind. And if you're not sure about God, I would implore you to consider Him in Jesus. If you're not sure what He's like, you can, you can figure that out in Jesus. If you're not sure what He thinks about you, you can go to Jesus. And it's all right there. He's perfect theology. He's the perfect understanding of God. He's the exact representation. So if you're hesitant, I just pray that you would consider God in Jesus. And if you want him today, if you want to, you want to enter into this connection with him, if you think there's something there, if that ache in your soul is crying out right now, tell your prayer minister that. So come Holy Spirit. May we know you in Jesus. Fill us with your ways and your ideas. Help us to reimagine our city.